In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Please be seated. Thirteen years ago this month, we opened the Jesus the Good Shepherd website just to start advertising that we were getting ready to have our first service on Easter. We had a Contact Us page. The very first email that we received through that website was from John McNear. He wrote, like many of his emails that he has written to me over the past 13 years, one sentence. He said, where and when are you meeting? So I went into an explanation. I said, well, we're not going to be really meeting until Easter. We might do something for Palm Sunday. We're going to be gathering through Lent. We're going to have a men's Bible study. He wrote back and he said, uh, tell me where the Bible study is going to be. I said, we're having Lenten soup suppers. He said, I don't eat bean soup, so I'm not going to come to that. I pondered over that email for, well, 13 years. I wasn't sure if he thought I was saying we were having lentil soup suppers uh, or if it was just a commentary on soup. And, uh, and so he came to the very first men's Bible study that we had, really the first Bible study, and then uh, the family with him to that first service that we had for Palm Sunday. Um, you know... Um, John supported me and us so much in that first year, especially. And I could tell stories about all 13 years, but I'll just tell you some stories about that very first year. So not only was it an encouragement to have him come to the first Bible study and to the first service uh, that we had in Sandra's living room, uh, but then uh, they left for Massachusetts and I thought, oh, we're not going to see them for a long time. We'd been getting uh, emails back and forth about that very first summer in 2009, the start of the Anglican Church in North America and the assembly that we were having in Bedford, Texas. And John emailed me as he had been kind of off and on, and he said, where's this assembly going to be, and you know, when is it going to be? So I told him the church had gathered up some money to send me by plane by myself uh, to Bedford so that I could go and be in attendance. So there I am sitting by myself in Bedford, Texas, in this big auditorium, watching all these proceedings, and I look over and all of a sudden, there's John. And he says, can you believe there's a five-star steak restaurant in Bedford? I said, no, I didn't know there was a five-star steak restaurant in Bedford. He said, what are you doing for dinner? So we went to Bob's Steakhouse in Bedford that night, and uh, maybe in the reception afterwards, if you're interested, I can tell you something about that steakhouse. This is like the best restaurant I've ever been to. And we had Morrow, and we had aged wine. And it was a real celebration. And it was just so fun to sit there with him for those two or three days of that assembly and to hear his commentary on the proceedings <laughs> and uh, the discussion that ensued. Uh, he was just crisscrossing the country, and he timed it so that he could be there. Then we were ready to, to, in a few months later in October, to join the diocese because we were a preaching station, and we were going to join as a mission. So I was just talking at coffee hour about who could go and how we could get there, and John says, I can drive everybody in Moby. This is his big white whale van, right? So uh, four of us, he drives four of us to Fresno, 
and you know he's got the big hanging features he was so excited to show me uh you know this closet that he had in the very back of that van where i could put my hangings and he had a, a refrigerator and he had like every country song rock and roll song that had ever been published between like 1955 and 1990 on flash drives that he could put into that van we listened to music the whole way um, I'll tell you another time if you're interested about the tire wars in Baker because he had a flat tire on the van about 10 miles outside of Baker and uh, it was something because those were heavy duty tires and none of the tire shops in Baker had heavy duty tires so what he went through to get us a tire and to get us to Fresno was exceptional. It turns out there's a civil war among tire shops in Baker but that's for another time. So we spent about a year one afternoon in Baker. We finally got to Fresno, and uh, John marched with us uh, down the aisle as we were uh, brought into the diocese. And then uh, over that first year, um, you know, it's one of those things of uh, planting a church and being a pastor in a church. People love to make suggestions, you know, many times very good suggestions. But, you know, after a while it feels like, you know, do this and do that, you know. And I had lots of people saying, you should record your sermons. And I was thinking, I... I don't want to record my sermons. I don't want to go through that hassle. I'm doing enough already. And I, just over and over, people would say, you should record your sermons. John never said that. John came to me and he said, I found three places that sell recorders that we should go look at. And he picked me up from the house and he took me to the Cheesecake Factory and he bought me lunch and he took me to three different electronic stores in towns until he bought this, which 13 years later, we're still using and the bag that I carried in. And um, it was just his ability to meet those practical needs, to be able to look at you know, what's needed and to come up afterwards when everybody was done and to say, I want to help that way and do this. And that, to me, that meeting of the practical needs and, and really the, the looking at the practical application of the gospel is what... Um, he was interested in in every Bible study that he came to. Um, metaphor and poetry weren't really John's things. He was a math guy, right? He was a physics guy. He wanted a formula. He wanted to be able to plug in the information and the data. And, uh, and so that's how he met the needs of our church family um, throughout these many years in fellowship. And I think that that is what... Uh, uh, one of the key points of these gospel lessons is of all the scripture lessons um, that we have, you know, first and foremost, Jesus says, I am the resurrection. Uh, you know, and, and sometimes we think of resurrection as being something that the Lord gives us. Like, I'm going to give you resurrection. Here, have some, some resurrection to have. And, and, and I'm going to come and give you this thing. But he's saying that he is the resurrection. And so it's about our relationship with him. It's about being with him. It's about living in him. He is the resurrection. If we want eternal life, we have to be in him. Um, and, and he says that, um, that when we live in him, we will always be alive. So when we are in Christ, uh, practically living in him day to day, that is when we have eternal life. 
And, and Isaiah tells us that that living in the Lord is, is celebratory. It's, it's not, um, you know, uh, just about duty. It's not just about, oh, I've got to do these things. But when we live in the Lord, when we're living day to day in him, there's going to be joy. There's going to be celebration. There's going to be that, that, that wondrousness that we have in our life with him. The Lord spells this out very clearly, right? That he is going to set a feast for all peoples, all peoples, a feast of rich food, of well-aged wine, of food full of marrow, full of fatness. And so that, that ability, I think, again, to be practically minded and to, to be able to see that the Lord wants us to come together, he wants us to live in him, and he wants us to live in, in him in a way that's both practical and that's beautiful, that's joyous, that's celebratory, and that enjoys the goodness of his creation. And for us to do that, for us to live in him, we have to, to wait in him. He says we have waited for him. And this is one of those words that uh, John would meet me out in front of the church and say, you know, what, what this waiting, that's not how I think of waiting, right? Uh, because sometimes we think of waiting as being, um, I'm just going to sit back and do nothing. And that's not the waiting that the Lord is describing here. He's not talking about a sitting back and just waiting for him. Right, this waiting is a, a, an anticipating. This waiting is an anticipating. We anticipate the Lord. Um, we're looking for Him. We're making it our aim to please Him, is what Saint Paul says in the Corinthians uh, letter here in chapter five, uh, verse nine. He says we make it our aim to please Him. And so like a host or a hostess, like one who is uh, perceiving the needs of a group of people, uh, he is um, asking us to wait for him by anticipating the needs of our worshiping community, by anticipating the needs of one another, of our brothers and sisters, and being able to meet those needs and to provide for them in the worship of the Lord and in our fellowship together. And we don't do it out of duty. We don't do it out of uh, a, some kind of necessity, but we do it out of joy and out of love and a, and a way of celebration. And that was my experience with John uh, for 13 years here at Jesus the Good Shepherd, uh, was meeting those needs in anticipation uh, with joy. That's what we're doing. That's what we're called to do. We're called to anticipate the Lord and the promise of his resurrection. Though he has died, your father will live again. Though he has died, your husband will live again. And we will all come soon and be joined in those new tents, those heavenly dwellings that are promised to us in Christ, that we will live in him forevermore.